What's up, guys? Just a note before we get into the podcast here. Uh, Sam and I thought that there was a red card at some point in the game. I'm pretty sure it was when Chris Duvall went over and uh, shoved Greg Garza after a little scuffle, uh, and then Duvall later got a yellow card for the handball. Anyway, just forget that we said all that. It's easier to just say this now and for have to have you guys pretend like we never said that than to actually go through and edit the podcast and edit it all out. So, uh, yeah. Hey, at least we did good against 11 men, you know, game state. Let's go. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almirón. Across it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hello, folks, and welcome to Five Strike Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United post game. We are live from Powder Springs, Carabas, here in the heart of Atlanta. And just like Kevin Kratz finding out that for every free kid, he gets a free meal of, I'll look this up real, I can't remember the name of it, Uber Kraut, we'll call it today. We are very happy and ready to get tonight. Big one for the podcast. We're staking out looking for the Carltons. Uh, they're from Powder Springs. They're probably going to yeah, exactly. in Powder Springs. Why not? Yeah. yeah. All, all 12 of them. The Stockton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a big deal. It's like the Brady Bunch. Uh, and they're all just incredible redheaded soccer players. Yeah, they're all going to come play here. So exactly. that's good for us. Right. One of them's already in the academy. Anyway, before they get up here, things are going all right, anyways, without them. Five strikes, yeah. big winners tonight. 4 1 at the final scoreline. And it was a little rough at the very beginning of. This one, Montreal striking first in the, I believe it's the 13th, 14th minute. Yeah, very yeah, early like in this one. And despite looking like they had no interest in doing literally anything, there was about 12 of them behind the ball uh, from the word go. They hadn't even really crossed midfield up until the point they ended up getting the goal. It was just a gorgeous cross in from, I believe, Christy Ball was his name. Yep, yeah, uh, local, local kid. I think okay. he played for. Uh, well, I don't remember. He played for some one of those big uh, Georgia clubs gotcha. around here. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so the Crossington from Duvall sneaks over the head of Leandro Gonzalez Perez and coming in and unmarked right in the middle of the box. Saphir Tater. Yeah, who are we blaming for this one? Uh, There's like three people that you could possibly blame for. I think I think they all kind of played a role into it. Yeah, LGBT was the header. Mm-hmm. Nagby had kind of it was Nagby was kind of dragging him, let him go. Right. Because we probably expected LGP or Julian to get there. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then yeah, and then Russell was kind of standing there, not expecting that guy to make that run, or yeah, couldn't get that across his face. So anyway, plenty of plenty of uh, people that we can uh, choose to blame for that one because every, everyone likes to pin those those things on, on a single player. So I think we can definitely do that. I blame Joseph <laughs> for that reason, just because. Um, we'll get into that we'll later. Get into that more. Shout out Alfred to that. Um, anyway, five strikes. Frustrating half. Just yeah. frustrating oh, half man. all around. Uh, they just really couldn't seem to get anything going. Um, had 11 shots compared to just Montreal's two. Only one of those was on target for Montreal. Uh, couldn't find the back of the net. There were a couple of chances that kind of came off and, and just missed uh, some golden opportunities there, including what would have been Joe. Yeah. His heart was fluttering. whole world. Yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Because I, I've angered God, and for what I have done to her, I apologize. 
and I will eight minutes later. Yeah, yeah, that is a terrible half, though. Like, yeah, that, that, that half was awful, and it made it worse that Montreal scored, and then they were just, it totally enabled them to go even deeper into their, their strategy of just sitting back, denying any space to us. It was horrible to watch. I, I mean, I don't know how it was for, for you guys in the stands or watching on TV, but from the press box, when, when you don't get as much, um, you know, crowd noise being pumped in or anything, it's just like, yeah. didn't like it at all. Didn't like it at all. Yeah, it was just we were just constantly outnumbered. That was the thing. It's like there was just no space for us to work. Montreal just had so many men deep. Like I said, it was just very negative for Montreal from the beginning. There was nothing mm-hmm. yeah. it, it, it wasn't anything against really Atlanta. All they did seemed a little bereft of ideas uh, from time to time there where they just pile on the crosses, uh, especially towards the latter uh, part of that first half. Uh, but again, just frustrating all around. Uh, until about the 70th minute, about the 70th minute, we finally finally catch a break across actually one of the ones that actually did work out comes in finds Chris McCann inside the 18 yard box he hits it and it wasn't going towards goal I think it was yeah. going towards a streaking five strike by going towards the, the uh, whatever the far post there um, it didn't it wasn't on target it wasn't yeah. going towards that person I was thinking like could he still get a yellow and then get sent off but he didn't get sent off if you like handballed the ball and it was on the, I guess they, I yeah. guess they, I guess they would have <laughs> called it back but he like yeah. he steered it like near the, the corner we were um, playing the throwdown game here he being Chris Duvall our first yes. friend we were just talking about earlier from Atlanta apparently helped out Atlanta yeah. in this case a big thanks shout out Chris Duvall <laughs> yeah, uh, for uh, the handball in the box on the header from Chris McCann he picks up his second yellow except it wasn't his second yellow uh, from that point on the floodgates open for Atlanta United uh, Miguel Almiron steps up the spot Knocks home the penalty, although barely, yeah. barely, it just got. It was not a great through. penalty. It was not a great penalty. I mean, it was. Uh, Evan Bush should have saved it. Went right through, went right under him. It was kind of reminding me of the one that uh, Zan kind of should have saved against David Villa uh, mm-hmm. here against NYCFC. Just went right under his body. Yeah. So we we touched a little bit of luck this time. It, it had been coming uh, for us. I think it was just like I said, such a frustrating thing. And finally, had that nice release there with the Almiron penalty. Uh, and from there, everything kind of exploded and went. United's way. Moments later, the story of the night. The story of the night, ladies and gentlemen. The German wonder. The diminutive German wonder. Yeah, he's so tiny. He's a little tiny guy. <laughs> little tiny guy. Comes in for the game. Kevin Kratz. The world beater. Andreo Pirlo. Yes. In the flesh. Kratz in the flesh. Country. Absolutely. But just a little bit of, with a tinge of German. tinge of German uh, seriousness and uh, mechanism to mechanism. Well, it was classic German efficiency and Yes. You know, just uh, the best nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway, Kevin Kratz steps up to a free kick. We want to say this one's about 22, 23 yards out, uh, about the 76, 77 minute, and just absolutely bangs it home. Couldn't um, have been more perfect occasion before. Just like you can't say that. Just gorgeous. I wish I had no chance. 2-1 at that point. Moments later, Miguel Amaron makes it three to one. A little one-two that kind of came off accidentally and was just kind of a fluke and really showed that things were really going our way no matter what we were doing at that point. Uh, little one-two with Joseph, pass to Joseph. Uh, he's in behind the defense. Joseph accidentally, maybe purposefully, I don't really know, passed the ball with the back heel. The hashtag, hashtag accidental assist. Yes, absolutely. An accidental world-class pass. Yeah. Joseph Martinez there to set up on pro for a finish. He scuffed. The whole play <laughs> was it pretty. It was like almost a really pretty goal, but at the same time, it uh, was terribly, terribly It was beautiful in its own right. 
great for us. Sure. It was ugly, ugly, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Three one at that point, and then to cap things off. Oh, right there, yeah. Because you know, why not? Just, just yeah, we might as well pour it on. It always seems like we do that here anyway. You know, it's like we're always just scoring the the goals at the end of the games. They just make it make, run up the score line, make it look uh, like we're way better than we were tonight. Yeah, absolutely. But once again, Kevin Kratz steps up free kick this one even further out, moving about eight seven yards back for this one. This one's even prettier yeah. than the first one. Just yeah. absolutely froze Evan Bush, broke him in half. He was trying to go six different ways. His knees once. were like jelly, ah. just like watching it. All he could do was <laughs> watch it go in. And all we could do in the press box was try not to get yelled at for cheering in the press box <laughs> because we were freaking out. Uh, big Kevin Kratz fans all around the press box here. Uh, good interview, good guy. The, the communications team, especially for Atlanta United, seems to really, really love they Kevin do. Kratz, which makes me laugh yeah. every time. It's like the only time you ever see uh, Chris Winkler as the communication manager. Only time he ever tweets during games, like, uh, Kevin Kratz does something. They were, yeah. they were tweeting out Kratz country. Yeah, shout out uh, Chris Ramondi too. Chris, Chris Ramondi, who's also a huge Kevin Now Kratz, you're having problems with it. I have to shout him out every week. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was on the hype train before all of this. Just, just mm-hmm. so yeah. you know. Uh, but again, Kevin, the story of the night. And kind of a weird game to take things away from, especially since it was so frustrating and really changed on its own, changed on time. With uh, the penalty and going to 10 men uh, from there, it was just a completely different ball game. Kind of weird with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Montreal did. It was really hard for them to, to continue with their, their strategy in the game, which was the Sydney even deny a space. When you go down to 10 men, I mean, you can still do that, but then they got. They, they, it came to a point where they couldn't get out, you know, like they, yeah. they couldn't clear. Like in the first half, they were able to actually counter on us a few times because, uh, you know, they have Yachty up there. They have some attackers that are allowed to, they can keep forward. And so when they're bunkering like that, they have these outlets and then they can just run at our, they can just run at our defense, you know, 2v2 or 3v3, you know, something, something like that, smaller numbers so that, you know, you might be able to create something nice for yourself. But um, and once they had the man sent off, they really were, you know, denied that, and then it was just an onslaught of attack from us. One thing that's been interesting to me here, especially the last few weeks facing Zlatan and facing Piatti, they were shut down. We yeah. didn't hear anything from either of those guys yeah. in both these games. Uh, Piatti yeah. was kind of non-existent tonight. Um, <laughs> I show something to Mike in my face to remind me of the mic. Audio quality. You're right. <laughs> um, but no, he, he gets shut down tonight, and it, it's maybe been more uh, the fault of um, Guard at the, the manager, yeah, yeah. Than, than really anything we did because again, Montreal was as negative as you could possibly be. And I joked at the beginning of the game that the possession stats are going to be about 80 20 at Lane United. Ha ha. It was a 77 23 split, yeah, by the end of the night. I mean, they were negative, in my opinion. If you don't have the players, I mean, I think that's the right strategy to come in here and play sure. against us with, like. You know, if you're an NYCFC or Toronto, you know, you have quality players like that, then that's one thing. You can come in here and be a little more expansive. Even though last year we saw Toronto be a little negative when they came here, they kind of just played on the break. Um, NYCFC opened it up, but my point is that if you don't have the talented players to like kind of go toe-to-toe with us here on this big pitch, then I think that's kind of the best strategy. I mean, like, it's probably still not going to, going to be a winning one, but you never know. Maybe... You get a goal like, like everything was going well for Montreal until that red card. You know, they don't get the red card. Um, you know, maybe things go better for them, but uh, I, I think that we'll, we'll start to see even more of that sure. as the season goes on. And it was an interesting transition from tackle to a tactical standpoint, especially into the second half. Yeah, we didn't talk about it in the, the, the recap portion, but Atlanta United made a very interesting 
substitution bringing on Tito Villalba for Jeff Runnitz right right out of the break. Uh, no time wasted in getting an extra forward on. And it was interesting, Tata's thoughts, his explanation after the game for that substitution. He essentially said that Jeff wasn't needed because of the way that Montreal was playing, because they weren't really posing a threat, and they didn't really need someone to stand back there and, and cut off passing lanes, anything like that. They need someone to go out there and get them on the board. And he felt comfortable leaving Nagby in that spot, which is a really big step, I think, for Darlington, mm-hmm. um, and an indication of how well he's been uh, playing the last few weeks, the past few games, and how integrated he's really become into the system, but also an indication of just how, again, how far back Montreal was sitting that we just needed an extra spot. Yeah, and I think something you saw when that happened was that basically the, what you were saying, the reason why Tata said that Lorentzowitz was basically an unnecessary piece at that point is because we basically had like four defenders, if you include him as a defender, we had basically four guys on Keonti. And when you have that kind of like numerical advantage against one player, you're going to have a huge disadvantage elsewhere in the pitch, which for us was, you know, in the attacking third, we only had like Joseph up there and some guys super wide trying to get crosses to him and, and a couple, you know, Barco and Almiron just trying to trying to play, do have some interchanging play. So, um, yeah, so I think he realized that he needed to change that and get more players up with the attack, which is the reason he, he brought Tito on. Uh, and then one of the things you saw once they did make that tactical change was that you saw Leandro Gonzalez Perez and Chris McCann getting a little bit further forward, especially when they when they kind of could feel that Atlanta was about to give up the ball if we were going to like cross it or something, and um, there was about to be like a, a ball that needed to be recovered in midfield. They would kind of jump up in there into the action to help Darlington in that, in that spot. What it also did uh, was draft Ezekiel back just a little bit. That's the other guy, Tito. Opposite Tio. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned every show, honestly. <laughs> so Tito drops back a little bit, or Tito takes the spot of Zeke. Zeke drops back a little bit and kind of started playing in the field. Uh, with Miguel, it was essentially a flat 3 4 3, I think. I yeah. did dub it, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Well, we, we, we like went back and forth. We went, yeah, it was, it was, very, it was a two fluid. Started with a three at the back, then he went to four at the back at one point, and then he went back to three at the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. it was crazy. It was crazy in this tactic. One of the interesting things you did say, though, about staying at the three in the back, because there was kind of, we saw Tito come on, there was the question of are we going to go to a four at the back. Uh, his indication was that he kept three at the back because he just wanted to make sure the Piani was in check. And that was the right call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. All right, five stripes get the win in this one. You guys had questions about it. You, you lovely people out there in the five strike final versus the H Daddies, as we like to call them. Our first question comes, as always, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's like every week. Always gives us good questions. Oh, it's such a good question. Question asker, yes. as they would say on podcasting. Play nobody. Uh, at Zach Attack asks, was overturning Larry's goal the right call? I'm not sure Joseph got a touch on the ball. I think he did touch it, didn't he? Um, I'm not sure. I think he caught a little he, bit of it and he did it back even, even if he didn't, yeah, it, it, that, that's the reason he impacted the play. Um, and, yeah, you're always going to get it. I appreciate your optimism, Zach, because <laughs> Lord knows if anyone wanted it to happen, it was me, Jason Jones. Every, everyone just stopped and stared at, at Sam when, when that when that whole scene was. Part was I didn't even realize what had happened. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, he thought it was like LGP or someone. Like, yeah. you know. I saw a white guy score. I just assumed it was Gressel. <laughs> um, and I was trying to figure out why it was called back or whatever and this, this huge burden was all of a sudden placed on my shoulders to have this crazy reaction to whatever Jeff Lowe's goal just happened and I was not paying attention at all so there we go. there's my weekly uh, reinforcement of how how qualified I am for this analysis position <laughs> I didn't know what was happening but there we go <laughs> full admission full admission we'll move on to our next question 
comes from at G J G X X. Gabe, get a better name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was impressed with your ability to read that. Uh, it, it makes me dyslexic. Gabe, um, how much do we sell crats to <laughs> How much do we sell crats to Bayern Munich for? I'm thinking 15, 30 million. Well, he was, he was in the Germany for a little bit. Yeah, we could, we could trick them back. If we, if we said that. I don't know. If he, if he was good for 90% of his free kicks, which, which he might be, I think you could place the value of that about about $15 million. Yeah, Why not? That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. That's a good return on investment, too, for us. I think that'll be yeah. uh, maybe maybe be suitable enough for us to... Very, very interesting thing about Kratz that we were talking about sort of moving on. I think you were sitting there next to John Nelson. I was. Uh, about soccer down here. was talking about all the teams that, that passed on Kevin Kratz yeah. before he ended up with Atlanta. I think a couple of NASL teams. Minnesota United. Minnesota United. Really? really? They're not getting that many free takes, though. So, yeah. That's true. They're not even near the goal for the most part. But yeah. we should respect them. How dare you? We should respect their decision to not sign Kevin Kratz. Philadelphia also passed up on him. I, he played for Philadelphia at one point, but then, yeah, they, they gave him away. They didn't think he was worth it. They didn't think he was worth it, but we think he's worth it. Next trash. Another man's free kick here. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was great to hear the players and coaches talk about the right. Kratz after the game. You know, like they all respect him so much as a player. Um, it was really funny. Like, basically, Miguel was talking after the game. He was basically saying, like, yeah, like there was no question. Like, we all know to give the ball to Kevin. Like, we know that this is his this is his job. And, and Tata also said that the whole team, all the players, had a conversation about it last year, and they all said, you know, they this was Emil. Maybe Joseph will want to take free kicks or not. And they said, and they they all agreed. All four of them said, if Kevin's on the field, we have to give it to him. He's the best one. It's it, it does, this is his role on the team. One of the funniest parts about Kevin Kratz is his very. It's a very German delivery in the way he says things. It's very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. It's very just point blank. Here's what I'm saying, and it's very kind of a dry kind of cutting humor to it. At least um, he said that after the, the, the when the uh, decision was being made, he said, Miguel. I would like to take this free kick, I think. And then he took it. <laughs> and that's just kind of the way he works. He's just kind of, everyone kind of knows that he's going to step up. And he said that uh, my teammates know from my time here that they can rely on me to get the job done. And I did not I was going to have the team get the win. Um, so glad to see Kevin Kratz get his shining day in the sun. We had a whole bunch of questions about him. Yeah, we, I don't know. Jonathan Ace uh, from Black Neil Post covers Charleston Battery also asked about him. We kind of answered that there. Uh, just given our, given our Kratz takes. Uh, Practice of time, amen. Uh, let's see. Let's go to our next question, which is. Uh, from... I'm already triggered. Okay. I'm already triggered. You go ahead. All right. This one comes from Matt D. Brent Crawford. Joseph looking up to the sky instead of watching the ball trickle away from the goalie. First off. <laughs> anyway. Is the kind of thing that hurts his impression on some fans. Uh, does Alfred Dad have a legitimate gripe now? No. Shut up. So the funny thing about this was that same thing happened to Gressel last season. He had Gressel actually ended up scoring on it in Houston. Um, same thing. He went through. I think the keeper had like gotten it. I forget exactly what happened, but Gressel, oh, he like puts his head in the air. He totally quits on it, and then he just sees the ball roll in front of him. He goes, oh, and he just kicks it at the goal. So you yeah. know, if Joseph had seen the ball roll in front of him, he would have, you know. There's no, there's no indication they would be able to get to it anyway. Yeah, exactly. The keeper very well could have shielded him off. It was just kind of one of those group things. Um, I would agree that it doesn't help his impression with the fans, uh, whether that's uh, an actual 
truism there. It does play. It, it, it does. It does play right into the narrative that's right. been going on about us. And when it happened, we all let each other grow because we knew the tweets yeah. we were going to be getting you know, about it. Uh, it is interesting though. Um, Alpharetta dabble like this. Talking post game again, it was Miguel was talking. They were talking about how they take the free kicks and the penalties. Um, and in this game, when the reason Almiron was taking the penalty because Joseph, uh, Miguel, and Barco were all deliberating about who's going to take it, it was Joseph who said, "Miguel, it's your turn. You take the penalty. It's not selfish. You take the goal. Well, it's one of those things where what you see from the exterior, I guess, the, the external things you see from Jose Martinez are definitely not indicative of." He's actually on a day-to-day basis. Um, so don't be don't be frustrated, Joseph. Ignore ignore the, the very outward things that seem to happen. Um, again, it was just one of those things that, that looked a lot worse than maybe what it actually was, and it definitely actually was. So don't worry about it, guys. Don't worry about it. Joseph's good. Joseph's good. Alfred and Dad, you're always wrong, except for one thing. Hustle. Hustle's good. Hustle's good. And don't waggle your bat so much. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's way too flashy. How can the pitcher throw strikes if you're out there waggling your bat? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, moving on to our next question from Matt. I am Sam45. Moving forward, do you think Atlanta have a better idea of how to break down teams like Montreal who would put 11 guys behind the ball, or is it still a work in progress? Um, it's still a work in progress. Yeah, it's like a lucky break. It's yeah. Like a lucky break today. Yeah, today it did. Uh, definitely still a working process. I think he, I think we can we know that because of how often they were changing it tactically, um, change, making a big change at halftime. Then when Kratz came on, they changed it again. Uh, so you can kind of see that there isn't like a super fully fleshed out plan yet. Um, but I think they're getting there. I think one of the things is that they the, they're kind of in a transition phase right now. They is in terms of but they're getting these starters back and they're trying to figure out how to implement all these players, all these attacking players into their team. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's still a work in, process, in, in progress, but I think it'll get better. I think this game will have taught them a lot. I think this will help a lot kind of going through this, and especially being able to get the win as always in a game like this that's so difficult is, will be very encouraging for the team. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They powered through it, at least. It's a game they may have dropped last year. Uh, Miguel said something to the effect of we're learning better how to play as a team. Uh, we are more cohesive as a unit now at this point. Of course, I'll have to translate translator, but that's, that's the gist of what he said. Um, and yeah, that's just that's just it. They're going to keep continuing to to run strange, strengths, continue to grow as a team, and, and it'll, it'll come. It's never going to be easy. It's always going to be difficult to break down a team, whether right, you're, right. you know that's what teams do it. Who you know put five up on Roma during the week and then and drew with Stoke you know, today, and maybe to cry on the way up here. Uh, teams will sit deep because they think it'll be easier for the other team to score. They do it because right. it's hard, and exactly. um, yeah, we just have to figure that out. But. Um, you know, it's a good thing because it you know, means that we'll probably see less. You know, and we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, but it is a work in process of progress for sure. Right I now. think it is encouraging to see all these goals coming late. I think it does show that we're kind of wearing teams down. Mm-hmm. Um, for the LAFC game with the 5 0 yeah. scoreline, the 4 1 here. Um, it shows that at the end of the game, we are definitely have at least made an Vancouver impact. Vancouver was another one. Vancouver yeah. was another one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We've at least made an impact on them uh, for a long enough time to make them very least uncomfortable by the end of the game. So that, that's encouraging for sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Jacob Carter asked, when does Kratz's statue ceremony occur? And I've already planned this out, Jacob. Jacob, Kratz's statue ceremony will occur the first day of Oktoberfest. Me, yes. you, Joe Patrick, and the rest of the SS, anyone else who wants to tag along, will all be traveling up to Helen, Georgia. We will take a nice tube ride, and at the end of the tube, ride around the river. They have a bit. You're all going to get out. We 
are going to unveil the Kevin Pratt statue, and then we're all going to put on our layer hose and then have a, a, a dang good time. Yeah, and drink beer out of a boot. Out of a boot. Das boot. Yes. Kevin Pratt's boot. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a lovely day. Oh, that that was, I, can't, I can't wait. Oh, a great, great day. I'd Stay tuned in the offseason. We'll plan in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, we'll go to Hillen. Yeah. Yeah. Weird, it's a weird place. It's a strange place. It's a strange place. It's, I don't know how it even came about. I would love to talk yeah, more about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we should do a deep, a deep historical dive, dive on that. Like, how did someone decide, like hey, stuff you should know. we had this Wendy's. What if we made it a German Wendy's? Right. Like, it's a strange place. <laughs> I love Helen. I love making fun of Helen. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, our last question comes from DSS writer Allison Schwab, who asked, who will start next week now that everyone is fit? Me and you have kind of been on the train that it's going to be the 4 2 three, one. I'm a little less sure um, going forward with that. Uh, well, how do you feel? I wanted to include this question because it'll kind of take us into our final thoughts in the game here. Um, and what I wanted to talk about was the formation and kind of the things that we did during the game and kind of where we're going from here. So uh, Tata talked this week on Thursday about how his, he wants to go to a 4 4 Three, three. We're just going to call oh, it a four. Yeah, sorry, Seattle. <laughs> you, 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 you can call it whatever you want. I mean, yeah. we're just going to, we will, life's too short to be calling it a four, two, three, one. Um, anyways, he said he wants to go to a four, three, three. He wants to put more players forward, just like he did in the second half today, to be able to pressure the ball more. And then you could see it, like with Montreal, when they were pressured more in their own defensive half, they were forced to just hoofing clearances, and we were able to pretty easily recover the ball. So that's kind of Tata's philosophy, and that's what he wants to get back to. One of the things I think is interesting, it, it may happen, uh, we may see on a game-to-game basis, like we kind of mentioned before, but yep. against teams that are going to bunker, we know they're going to bunker like Montreal. Uh, it seemed to be, according to Zico Barco, said that uh, the plan was to get more crosses and get more width um, coming out of the half. Um, it didn't quite work out that way, but it's the idea seemed to be to get the ball on the wings and uh, make stuff happen from there. Um, could we see the three five two show up a little more it seems to get a bunker because we know we're going to have possession. We know we're going to yeah. dominate the game, but it gives us a little more width in that case. Do you think that's not a possibility? Or we could switch I, in I, game. Yeah, like I exactly, and that's exactly right. We'll switch in game, and I think that we'll. I think we'll probably see more three five two against teams uh, who might have a little bit more going for them, and for teams that we want to kind of come on to us a little bit um, and be able to exploit them in the breaks. Like I don't think we want to, if we're playing a team like Toronto. I don't think we want to like be pushing our center backs up at the halfway line, forcing the game on them so much because they can hurt you. They can hurt us coming back the other way. I think I can think against a team of that caliber, we want to kind of absorb it a little bit, absorb the pressure, and then hit them when they're holding. Um, but I think against a team like Montreal would be a good time. Like this would have been a good time, but I think you know I understand why they stuck with the three-five-two. I think against like lesser teams and, and at home, we'll probably play more of a four-three-three. Um, I but I, but yeah, I, I want to say that you know Tata talked about moving to a four four in the back. I think that's right. But you know he did also say you know it's not like he's like giving up the three five two. You know like right. they will still use it. Um, and that's, that's like one of, one of his goals was possible. to make his team more yeah like a little more more versatile. Um, last year was a little different, I think, because it was his first season, and he really wanted to instill a philosophy in the team of pressure and attack. And so he was really he stuck with this four two three one dogmatic system. Um, and I think this season you're seeing that the team's a little more cohesive. Uh, they they know what each other are doing a little bit more, and they're able to kind of switch things around more in the game tactically. And the depth is there to do. 
That's what I was mm-hmm. interested in. Yeah. Like a little more depth. And yeah, you have a guy like Kevin Kratz. You, if you want to go like go more aerial towards the end of the game, you can bring in Mario Williams. Um, you got like all these guys on the bench. Like, you know, today you had talked for uh, Tito. Uh, in another game, you might have like a Russell or, you know, Franco Escobar is available. Uh, you might change something around the back. So, yeah, there are tons of options. And that's, that's great for a team like us. It's so hard in MLS to have a team that has those kind of versatile options because of how much you're restricted by the salary cap. So, yeah, you really have to give a lot of credit to uh, Carlos Bocanegra and Darren Eels for just building this team from time to time to work with. Yeah, shout out to Paul McDonald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul McDonald. He has the shady money things. Yes, exactly. We, we don't know. No one knows what Paul McDonough does. We don't want to know what Paul does. If we find out, we may end up for us. Yeah. Um, we might not live to tell about it. Yeah, right. Uh, it, it, I think it's interesting. I think we'll get a very good indication of what our plan is going forward over the next two games because we're going to take face two teams kind of on the end of spectrums, right? Of the two spectrum, or just this many. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Chicago, not good right now, anyway. Uh, sporting. Kansas City. Kansas City. Um, I don't know how good Kansas City is. I'm, I'm interested to see that game because that'll tell us yes. a little bit more about them and about us. But sure. um, don't know how to read Kansas City. They could be scoring. They could be, they, they could be like the best team in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're right there with us in New York City for the very early supporter show race right now. Uh, they have the most goals in the league. I think we might tie them. They actually we're going to twenty one now. Just like just, just like yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting because it's just two different philosophies, two very different teams. Um, I think we'll get a better idea of what our plans are going forward uh, over the next couple weeks. Our final thoughts on this one. Uh, we talked a little bit already about the formation going forward. Uh, did want to talk a bit about Ezekiel Marco, who was very, very good again tonight, I thought, Joe. Yes, very good. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's really unfortunate he hasn't gotten on the score sheet yet because I feel like this game, combined with the last game, he's played well. He's got him, you know, it's a cliche, but he's played well enough to have gotten himself on the score sheet. Uh, it's only a matter of time before that happens, but he's not a big goal scorer. Like, he wants right. to distribute more. So, he's uh, finding yeah. space. He's not finding space to take good shots right now. Yeah. So the shots that he knows are going to be efficient and get the job done. Yeah. I did talk to him a little bit post game about one of the reasons he was brought in to Atlanta, which, of course, is to break down teams just like Montreal, who are going to bunker. Um, his thoughts were essentially that, uh, you know, when he's out there, uh, he's, he's trying to get in behind. He said the defensive midfielders, which I thought was interesting, because he has many goals to get in behind the defensive midfielders, and that's how he said he's going to unlock his defense like that. If he can find space in behind them, he knows he can pull he can pull a center back out, pull a full back out, and create space in for Joseph and be all the running behind him, whoever. Um, you know, uh, so that, that was exactly. his yeah. process, essentially. Yeah. Um, hey, like, basically, he can create chaos in the defense. Exactly. And, and it will probably open up space for someone else because he gets himself in the space, he'll get closed down, and then there will be gaps to his He did a few times. He found a little bit of space tonight. Uh, he never really unlocked anything just because Montreal was so tightly compact. There wasn't a whole lot he could do. Uh, but you definitely saw the flashes of what could be for us going forward. Um, and as he gets more comfortable on that, it's going to get better. Right? Yeah, Tata talked about that as well. He just needs some more time with his teammates um, just to, you know, get a little bit more going with them. Um, knowing what they're going to do, the ones they're going to make, where he wants the ball, you know, his preferences as well. So once that all, once that all gets going, it'll be it'll be good. And, you know, it kind of it makes me think about something uh, Franco Escobar said in the locker room today too, which is that, you know, he said that when he was at, you know, he just came back, this was his first minute since his concussion, um, and he said it was like back. It was. It took him back to being in the first game. And he, what he was talking about was tactically, like kind of, and 
knowing the intensity of the game, um, the relationship with the teammates, it was just it felt brand new to him again yeah. he'd been out like that. So I think like you know Marco had been out since all preseason, so this is going to take him a little bit to get ramped back up again. But I mean, he's not like slow with the speed of the game. No, like it is just like it's, it's more just very, yeah, it's more just like getting it worked out with the teammates in terms of what what each other are going to do on the pitch. But yeah, I, he's only going to get better from here. He's already pretty damn good. So. Yeah. Well, you may have noticed that Zeke was pretty good. You may have noticed that Miguel and Kevin Kratz were very good. We're going to tell you the folks who are good that you may not notice the underappreciated heroes of tonight's game. Jeff Passion, who was your Lorenowitz man of the night? My Lorenowitz man was uh, of the day. Was uh, actually it's always of the night. It's always of the night. Brad Guzan. Brad was amazing. Um, saved our butts on couple of occasions, especially one, I think when it was, was it tied? And he made a big save, they had a one-on-one. Oh, it was one-nil. Oh, was, oh, was it really? It was the 51st minute of a half. Okay, yeah, that was huge, that was huge. That would have probably ended the game. I think. shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was kind of right on him, but, yeah. you know, hey, he made himself big. He did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought he played well, I mean, it was a, it was a huge save that kept us in the game. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially so no one ever likes to talk about the goalkeepers. Because we don't really interview the goalkeepers yet. Uh, but a special <laughs> shout out to him and Chris McCann uh, after the game for uh, going just full on weirdo and messing with Michael Parker's during his press scrum, uh, wearing nothing. That was towels, bizarre. And, yeah, uh, just kind of sneaking in the press scrum just trying, to give Michael Parker's the eyes. <laughs> he was trying to give him like the Baysmore like eye or something. Oh, yeah, exactly. like, yeah. <laughs> the base gates. Yeah, the base. Right yeah, the base at him, but half nude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All the reporters are just like. I was very uncomfortable because I thought Kristen Sand was trying to talk to me. Yeah. And um, which brings me to my next segment that I said I'm going to start, which is the cans in the corner. Oh, um, uh, yeah. He said, if you think of the I've got some towel on. I just got the towel. Do you see me? Michael, Michael, look at me. Michael. And that has been the cans in the corner. That was, that was yeah. good. It's good. Well done. We're going to bring that in there. All right. Uh, Milo Rudin's man of the night. I can't wish I just decided. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while Joe was talking, and I swear I have one uh, because I remember it, it was. <laughs> it was Nagby. It was oh, Nagby. Okay. okay, no, we're good. It was Nagby. Um, I talked about it a little bit before, just about his ability to slide into a role we haven't seen from yet, and uh, being able to trust him in that role. We saw him move. Once Lorenz came out into kind of that shooting role, we kind of see from Jeff. It was a little bit different, of course, uh, just to playing styles. Uh, but obviously, Tata trusted him to do that. And it's something that we would have been very, very comfortable to see Carlos Carmona doing last year. Uh, when Nagby initially came out into it, it was a little bit concerning, but he did a great job with it, I thought. Yeah, he did what he had to. And uh, no mistakes, nothing dead. That's all you need. And I like that Tata calls him D. Yeah, I, I don't know what that came <laughs> from. I was like, I don't know what was for a second. Reminds me of the wires. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Can we get to our quote of the night? Let's move on, shall we? Yeah. Our quote of the night comes from our German demand hero. The one and only. Tim Kratz says, I'm pretty confident in taking free kicks. I might need to make a few more before they make a movie about me. Did he say that? Yeah, he did. Oh yeah. my gosh. I mean, that, it was not back to back. It was not it was, okay. not, it was not exactly like that. But yeah, yeah, someone later asked about, I think they did like, oh, that yeah, or something. Like, yeah. yeah, might need to make a few, a few more, but. No, it was very all in jest. He, he knew that it was just kind of his, his, his moment here. Yeah, uh, exactly. 
Yeah, I think he like realized how like this art was for him to be like the the kind of the star of the game, you know, since he's first guy in the press scrub or anything like that. Right, right. Yeah, big deal for him. Did he have the spike in? Or I think did they have Alvon do it? No, let us know. I hope so. That brings us to Joe's favorite part of the show. Joe, I wanted to. Well, I don't. I have no idea what he's talking about, but. yeah, we're going to give them our shout-outs in a second, but first, I just wanted to oh. ask everyone. Okay, yeah, no. I'm sorry I'm stalking you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, please, just please rate the show, review us on iTunes, do all that shit. Um, it really does help, and if you don't want to do that, just, like, tell a friend, tell your parents, son, your daughter. They might, if they're of age, to, you know, listen to this explicit language podcast. Yeah, the that, we, that we don't put on because that will kill us in right. iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the rankings are rigged. I don't know if we talked about that. We're like the, the rankings are rigged. Some shows that like have that shows in like three years. Yeah, they had maybe nine podcasts before the team was even named. Well, not that time. Yeah, stopped. yeah. Since then, and we're still behind them in the rankings somehow. Um, it's, it's, I'm not sure how this works. It's nonsense. We need service. All right, let's go ahead and get to our shots. Let's get the hell out of here. We're holding up the we're holding we up the team staff. It. Shout out like Jorge Buehler, shout out Justin Bullaby, shout out Chris Raimondi, shout out Mr. and Mrs. Kratz, and shout out Brian Jordan, who was awesome with hammering this bike. Uh, shout out to Brian Tyree Henning, shout out to Zazzy Beats, shout out to Donald Glover, shout out to Hero Mira, shout out to Stephen Glover, shout out to Keith Sanfield, and the rest of the writing staff and actors on Atlanta and directors. We're all kind of helping. Thank you so much for everything. Um, shout out to Jason Isbell, shout out to Ben Johnson, shout out to the Farmer. Alright guys, let's get out of here. Bye y'all. Bye.